0: It's your boy Rodney Perry King himself And you just tuned into the soulfully conscious podcast for humans Simply being humans And today I have another beautiful human here with me today A black ass one too, you know what I'm saying? Cause because he, he he for the niggas and the for the niggas only And I love <laughs> him <laughs> And uh, I have here with me Educator, um, shit, activist, podcaster Honestly, um, becoming somewhat of a maiden and a maven of sorts in this social media game in terms of, of, of marketing And not, not only marketing but also uh, just creating great content Informative content and inter- entertaining content all in one. He's edutainment personified. Surely go follow him I have here with me Marquise Davon Richards Everybody give him a hand clap and hand clap if you had the crib. How you feeling,
1: bro? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I had time to decompress today, like because it was definitely a, a long teacher day. Okay, these kids are feeling it, <laughs> wow. but I'm chilling. I was enjoying watching some of the Met Gala looks before hopping on here. So that's just I love seeing fashion and art like that. So I'm I'm in my bag. I'm good.
0: I love that. I love that. How you doing? I'm doing great, bro. I needed uh, I needed a drink. Um, it's been a great productive. It's been a productive few days, honestly I've, I've been shooting a lot of stuff My uh, my best friend is in town Who uh, who has been helping me with a lot of it So I've been feeling really good Just in terms of just being in a very creative space um, I've been recording just pods And I'm also uh, celebrating my um, The six year uh, Six year anniversary of my podcast On yesterday um, But you know hey, congrats. I appreciate it, bro, I appreciate it And so I feel great. I feel good. I feel definitely in a very, you know, in- interestingly celebratory mood, but also ready to kind of, you know, keep it pushing too. you know, like, like all right, we're going to celebrate. We're going to take our time. We're going to give it, give this a moment, but also, you know, keep it, keep the ball rolling. Because I, I think if anything, that's what I feel pushed to do. Like, all right, let's, let's, let's see who else we can, you know, connect with and get on. But right. let's start with the Twitter check in. Okay. So, today's Twitter check-in is Honestly, I want to talk about this Young VMA situation Now, award shows have been really weird For the past, you know Honestly, for the past few years Not even just because of the pandemic Honestly, they've been like a hit or miss It feels like we might get one good You know, one every year But we're really not just gung-ho About all of them anymore Like, I feel like there was a time where people actually Used to be, used to be something to actually go and Watch and view and see either for the performances or somebody that you wanted to win, but yesterday was so uh, it was somewhat monumentous in a standpoint from it being so much, uh, so many things around it, like them kind of seeming like they were about to shut out Normani, which really didn't make sense because that's just a MTV type of <laughs> artist, <laughs> like what okay. music videos. That's literally if any, if you don't even know Normani, you know pre um. From, from her, you know, Fifth Harmony days, yeah. being in the fifths of harmonies, the whole introduction to her should have been by way of a music video more than likely, with motivation or something else. Yep. Either way, it didn't make sense. We had the introduction of, you know, the kind of solo somewhat debut of, I wouldn't even say the solo performance because she has performed alone before, but feeling like a coming out, a coming of age almost of Chloe Bailey. And then just so many cool things happening, you know? But tell me, tell me what were some of your favorite things that you've seen from last night's uh VMAs?
1: Uh yeah. top tier, Normani easily had the best performance of the night with that Janet tribute by the end of it. And you said, I can't, you can't tell me nothing. I was <laughs> Normani was the performance I was waiting on. Cause to me, I tweeted about it. I said, Normani is definitely in the house of Janet, Sierra, all of them like together. So you know, yeah. I was like, Yeah, there's a certain kind of I still love a dancer at the end of the day. And like, there are just moves that Normani is able to execute as an entertainer and know how to like arrange her stuff. Like the live in, in, instrumentation of wild side was fire. Um, yeah, that was huge for me. And then Chloe just, I was, I was so happy to see her just step out on her own. I feel like I could see that she was a little nervous. Cause it wasn't like the cleanest performance I've ever seen from her. But the theatrics, the drama, yeah, that's true. the story, the vocals, the dancing, like it was all there. So I said, I see what she's doing and I see who she's going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think um, for me, I enjoy, I, I enjoy I enjoyed the way that they've been handling Chloe and Hallie. you yeah. know, because it doesn't yeah. feel like, I feel like people are quickly, quickly forgettable when it comes to women, when it comes to women doing, Anything musically artistic, because they're like, "Why? What does this mean? Are they saying they're going solo and all these different yeah, things?" Right. As if we haven't had examples of these things prior to. And I think I, I feel like I said it to a friend of mine. I was like, "They, they, amigos. The you got to think of Chloe and like the amigos. Yes. They all do their own albums. They go feature somewhere else. They go do their own things. They go whatever, whatever. But they, Chloe and Haley, at the end of the day, they're yeah. gonna be the amigos at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? But they are. They obviously are individual people." But I think the formula that we're so used to being in a group, and that group is really only just the pedestal that the platform that you're building up to then go solo.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I don't think that that's the same thing. I can imagine a world where both of them continuously make music for majority of their careers, but also have their like you know specialty albums and. It'll really only be the internet to be like, I think they sh- I think they solo albums be better. Uh, I think they, you know, group albums be better. They, they
1: better together and you know, all that type and of you shit, know, you know? Once they give it, then everybody wanna sh- be shady. Everybody's like, well, I mean, Chloe's song is, uh. I said, but y'all been moving for Chloe to go solo and be like, oh, I wanna see her break out her show. And then she decides to do it. Like she said, that video's been done since what, April?
0: And that's what's funny, because she was holding on to that damn song for so long. (laughs) But that makes sense now. It makes sense why she held it to make it so close to the VMA performance. Yep. So it makes sense why they held it for so long, gave you the snippet, let it go crazy, and then just like, just wait, just wait, wait till next month, wait, whatever, whatever. Because they also, too, you don't know what the fuck was going to happen. Like, who knows? The VMAs could have been canceled, moved anything and you don't want to sit here and you know pull the trigger on something that's like damn it's fucking up the rollout you know
1: that's a fact but i think like beyonce's team is i always said like they're like made for the vmas like they even had their own camera people operating for that um performance too so i was just like damn they're gonna be particular about their kind of stuff so i think even like the artist development that we see for chloe and hallie specifically beyonce's had them since 20 2014 2013 Like, they've released three albums under Parkwood already, but it's only last year that they really, like, fully got into, like, the public imagination, and I think they still got time to do that, so... Yeah. I said, they're gonna be fine. Yeah. So Doja gave a cute little performance after, two. I was like, it was different, but because she went more of, like, a contemporary route, I was like, I'm here for it. But I don't know if this is like, a VMAs-like yeah. kind of performance. Yeah. But a dancer would enjoy that performance if they have, like, a technical background. Yeah, yeah. And, you know,
0: and you know, I, I, I like Doja. I think Doja is, like, very eclectic, too. Very, you know, I, I like that she leans into a lot of her things, you know? Um, but one thing I would say, and I think it's a, uh, almost a, it's a missed opportunity, I'll say, when Industry Baby came out, I thought that this was an opportunity to show black male unity in hip hop. Yep. Um, but yet, I can imagine, and I could be, look, I could be re I can imagine a world where Jack Harlow just so happens to be, you know, quote unquote, have the level of tolerance needed to be a sane and humane human in, in the world to see this as, oh, this is a great song. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're a great artist. I've been a fan. Glad okay. to come on. Glad to give you however many verses you need me to give you. Yep. Versus it being somebody else, it could be, it could have been some of the younger guys. It could have been anybody. This just, this shit is called industry baby. How many babies? Well, not, we don't need every baby, but how many? <laughs> we don't need all the babies to try to be on industry baby so This might not be the best look, best timing, but I'm just saying, like, it's just funny to me that no one, that this is, it just feels like a missed opportunity to not align yourself. Cause everyone, every if, if let, let little Nas X not have been an openly gay man,
2: mm-hmm. and he
0: has the top charting song. He's already been on Billboard. He's all, already won multiple uh, Grammys. All these di- different things. Everybody would want to work with him. Everybody, he would be he would be right in line with the Dirks and the Little Babies. Yep. It's featuring them <laughs> on everything, on every album. They were on the Kanye album and the Drake album. <laughs> so in my mind, it's like, this is a disservice for hip-hop as a whole and the progression of the things if you yep. allow for, you know, kudo, kudos to Jack, but it's like, damn, not y'all letting the white man be a, a quote-unquote better ally than us, you know, uh, or just, quote not even better ally, just being a brother, just being human. Being Fuck, being you president. know, like, this ain't yeah. even the allyship ain't even one of those things because the bridge is already one that's connected but we try trying our right. best to burn the fuck out of it you know I don't know I just I don't want to get on my soapbox about that but I felt that way literally since that song came out
1: nah I agree and the fact of the matter is Lil Nas X is doing so much for black people at the end of the day like the fact of the matter is yeah he took a prison theme that he took along with that like Montero State Prison however he's also giving back specifically and that's what's been missed prisons And I said, he's helping the most marginalized of black people. I'm confused. Like, y'all niggas want to act like you're so about this and you want to rap about this, but you're not about to give it back when it comes to like, yo, this actually is funding so-and-so. He actually amplified other voices. So the activist in me is also just like, this is how you use your art for good. And this is what you should be doing. But people are so more worried about, oh, well, it should be us doing it and not a queer guy doing it. Y'all ain't doing anything, so <laughs> not at that level.
0: Like, talk about what talk probably. about putting some on the books. I don't even. I forgot how much it was. I think it was like didn't he raise like damn near like four million dollars?
1: It's a lot for the uh, for a- the um,
0: for the for the initial videos um, um, campaign that he had attached to it, yep. and then. After the whole like Boosie, you know interactions and debacles, and then he started doing the whole baby you know thing with the rollout, and then him having the reg the registry was the brilliant thing. That's like how you have a registry of charities. This is crazy, but it's like so brilliant. And how can you how can you shade anybody who truly is doing something that is beneficial, helping other people, among um, like amidst of getting all this criticism about the type of art that he makes. And it's yep. just like, you gotta respect this kid. He was needed. He was needed yep. in the industry to shake shit up, to do yep. the things. And the fucked up part about it is you can't not cut him out because he is just so happens to be making the exact music. It's not a just a pop thing. It's not just a country thing. He he's in the genre. And I think that's the part that's really rubbing him the wrong way, especially uh-huh. with this industry baby song. Because I know okay. today could take a day trip has done how many other, you know, quote unquote hip hop and rap. Uh, folks, you know, production. So it's like, come on now.
1: But make it make sense.
0: Make it make sense. But let's get into Marquise. You know what I'm saying? Let's get into you, bro. First, I want you to tell me, has this kind of you know bug to teach and to be an educator kind of forever been in your you know, in your bug? You know, in in your system, has it been a bug that's been on you for a long time? Is it in your you know? Is it in your family? What has inspired you to actually tap in with this? And, um, and make it a part of your, uh, your passion and career for real.
1: Yeah. Um, so, no, teaching was not always, like, my thing. I said, I ain't teaching <laughs> not near to one child. I'm not doing this at all. <laughs> and my friends will tell you, they're like, Marquise, I did not know you are going to get into education. Um, because I went to school for theater and broadcasting. I went to school for video production. Like, that's yeah. my background. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, for me, I had realized, like, for me, I've always had a passion for education. Because I that was my escape growing up as a kid. However, um, I didn't think education was going to be like the specific form of like being a teacher was going to be a specific form that I was going to go back and do. Um, But even then, like even in college, like as a theater major, we were I was considered like a dramaturg. So this way I would focus on the academic theater and I would kind of teach people about the world of the play, why we made these decisions. And I was like, yo, this is a dope interactive way to teach and a dope interactive way to learn about the world and practice empathy and do all of these things. And I loved doing that so much. Um, so I was like miserable first thing out of work, out of, out of college. And I was like, I was a full-time social media and content consultant, hated it. I said, and that's where most of my intention experience was at. <laughs> i was telling you, I said, this trash. So <laughs> um, I ended up just quitting on the fly. And my best friend and roommate now, she was just like, hey, Marquise, like, this is all about like social justice oriented and i think like activism and the stuff you talk about like with restorative and transformative justice this stem program does this thing with a social impact model so i was just like i never want to work with kids but let's go see how it works so i ended up spending a summer at upenn working at um this program called smash and yo it what it transformed how i like viewed education and how Damn. i looked at how students get to interact together, what happens when you give black and brown kids the tools to be great Mm. and see how they can just change the world if you just give them the resources. Mm. And so that just reinforced with me even more like education will work if the resources are provided and the kids have the chance to just have the audacity to take charge of the education. All I need to do is just facilitate their learning. I don't need to teach at them, but they get to learn. All of this on the fly and not have to worry about a test not have to worry about this they get to come into a space that gets to inspire curiosity and i've always been curious about the world i've always asked why i want them to be able to ask why and truly advocate for themselves and so those are the worlds where i try to like that's really what keeps me in education the activism gets annoyed with some things that they do in education so it's not like sunshine and rainbows all the time however i um, bet (laughs) the ghetto Um, (laughs) but yeah I think that's how like that spark of education went I've always appreciated education because it was my safe space I realized I had a really good way to engage classrooms and large groups of kids and they got to see somebody who looked like them in a space that they normally didn't all the time so I was just like I'm this is my purpose like I don't care about the task and all that other stuff like my purpose is being able to inspire curiosity
0: Damn And you know what That that theater background In terms of just being able To work a crowd And be comfortable And amongst You know However many people Because it could be Shit Ten people in a theater And they still expect A great show It could be a, a thousand They s- still expect A great show So expect to get What they came for And I think you know Even if You know Kids of various ages Right now like school Or go to school That motivated uh, They don't know That they're getting Something until They get it sometimes Um, But but I think to me, it feels like you get to that particular age where you start to then start judging, you know, all the things you've learned because then they start mattering more because you want to go to college or you want to go do something. And now it's like, hold on. Hey, back in eighth grade, I don't remember. Like, I'm kind (laughs) of like, I didn't know y'all was learning that. Now I got to go catch up and do this. So now you can. But now it's like second semester senior year, (laughs) you know, and now you care about how your education was personally. For my school, my school, um, when I was in, I went to school in Tennessee, and it was during a time where um, it was, I think we were in the high, like in the mid to low 40s, I believe, in terms of like just state rankings, we were terrible, you know, in terms of state rankings. So, so many different schools and so many different counties were uh, getting kind of like taken over by the state for improvement. And I remember coming into school, ninth grade, and they were hitting us with the, um, they had a song they made called, I think it was like 88.8, and it was a song that they really made as this kind of like campaign of like graduation rate, and it was like, that's all we're trying to get, It's (laughs) 88.8, and they made it a very big thing, and it was just so strange, because we had these extra... um, like administrators and facilitators and all these different things. And it just, it almost made you feel like, like, damn, did I pick a dumb school to go to? What I'm like, what I'm trying to right. figure out. You don't know what's going on. You don't know. Cause you're, especially when you're, you know, you just got there. Right. But it's interesting how the education system works because I remember my principal changed. It felt like almost every semester, not even every year. Like the principal did not like whatever the uh, system was going, either any of the principals that I had, Um, The assistant principal uh, Since the principal's changed Everything kept changing Just Everything kept changing Teachers were leaving Teachers were getting promoted Some were, you know All these different things And it was getting to the point To where it's like Well, I guess Who really cares? And I think My school also Was one of those schools That had a great athletics program They were ranked number four In the nation Then we ranked 13th in the nation um, When I got there And they already won uh, Two basketball championships in four years of the school's whole existence so it was already they already had their priorities <laughs> and uh, but it's i don't know so in terms of where you are now how do you i guess manage all the things that you do because you are because I, I i can only imagine having to prepare you know a damn lesson plan for any age group of of children or or just even adult age students <laughs> I would love to know how have you been managing, especially during this time, how have you been managing? Because school is truly a buzzword and a hot topic of discussion. When you're talking about the pandemic, when you're talking about vaccines, when you're talking about just overall social interaction, how has it
1: been for you? Um, I think the balance part is I'm still figuring it out right now, Um, especially with like this new like being fully in the classroom at this point. Like before I was in the after school space, I got to be in that STEM program full time over the summer. And then I do like college advising and stuff. So I got to be in all those pockets. But now, like being a formal, like traditional teacher in a sense, it is a different ball game because I'm just like cool, like 7:30 to 4:30. This is Mr. Richards, Mr. Keith's Like that's that's who I am in that space. Um, and they know, like I work, I'm always talking about boundaries. I said, no, if my job cannot be done between the hours of seven 30 and four 30, that means this job is not <laughs> allowing us enough space in order to be great because you want us to have a work life balance. We're going to have a work life balance. And I will be very serious about that Word. at the end of the day. Word. Um, cause I refuse to get burnt out. I said, we're not going to do that. No burning. Who you burning out? Not me. Um, so I think it's it's interesting because I still want to I still have Marquise Davon at the end of the day. I'm sorry. Like, I got podcast to run. I got a I got a brand to manage. Like, I got this thing outside of here. Yeah. And so I think sometimes as educators and specifically black educators, they do expect us to go above and beyond because they think that we're supposed to fully relate to these children because mm-hmm. they see us in them. And yes, I understand that. Um But there's also part of it where I'm just like, nah, I got to make sure I'm good, too. Like, if I'm not good, I'm a trash teacher at the end of the day. So I'm actually doing these kids a disservice by not fully, like, investing into myself and investing into them at the same time. Like, to me, that's not fair. And so I think we really need to do a better job of um, that. And so I've just been, like, trying to create systems and routines for myself personally. Like, all right, at least two times a week, I get to go to the creative space and just, like, be in there one time a week. I get to focus specifically or two times a week. I get to focus specifically on Marquise Davon. What do I want to focus on next? And then like school stuff that will always be there. And even then, like with a lot of this, I'm just like, Teaching K through 12 ain't even like my end goal. Like, I want to be a professor. I'm like, Dr. Keys is in, in the making. He hey, started. come on,
0: Dr. Keys. <laughs> that's, that's a fire ass. That's that sounds great. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that sounds great, Dr. Keys. Woo. Yes. Yeah, um, put it on
1: t shirt. <laughs> thank you. Okay. That's great. Yeah. So, um, that's just been interesting, but it's definitely just like figuring all of that stuff out and really still maintaining like, creating is still my passion at the end of the day like if a proper opportunity comes i know education will always be there Mm -hmm. but i still have like that part of me that still wants to put that broadcasting degree to use that still wants to put that theater degree to use and like that's why i do this podcasting thing that's why i create it still allows me to get into that bag Mm -hmm. but i'm just like again even as you talked about like the constant rotation of like teachers in and out of a space like that's destabilizing for a kid because that just reinforces like oh these people don't care enough to stay around enough. And so there is part of me where I'm just like ah I know middle school is not where my heart's at. High school or higher ed is where my true heart is at. But my kid seeing me go to his football game over the weekend meant the world to him. He goes, "I don't think you recognize like how much that meant to me like seeing you there." But that damn that's to me and to me I'm just like ah i want to see these kids till they get to high school yeah exactly (laughs) then after way i I cycle through my kids that they got to see and their development and be like yeah i went to mr keese's room i went through his classroom and they can see the caliber of student that i had and the challenge and like to push them academically where they need to be at so um yeah that's that's it's a weird balance yeah um balancing act between like Figuring out this brand and knowing like I have to hire help <laughs> at that point, yeah, um, and then also doing like a legitimate full time job and sometimes after hours, if parents um, or students may need something potentially.
0: I fuck with that, bro. I'm glad. I'm glad that you've found a way to um, continuously support the sense of balance within your life, but also to to uh, recognize why that balance is needed for the job that you do because. Yeah. Yeah, plenty of teachers. You can tell they having a bad day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you can tell y'all have you are not. You do not want to be here. You know what I'm saying? And we don't want to be here either. But yeah. and I might recognize that. I might be the sensible student child in the room. And uh, but will tell you like it is. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. DeMarco is on your ass. <laughs> he, he see an opening. You've been on him every day. It's like, oh no, I'm ready to work now. Hey, hey, you know they gonna be they gonna be on your ass. But they I feel like I you. they
1: will work you. They will, they will.
0: But I do. You know, teach the children, man. Teach, yeah, t- yeah. take care of the damn children. They are the future. <laughs> and I think people don't people be sleeping on shit like that because and then they wonder why we still have the same issues from a hundred years ago and all these different things. Um, it's weird. It's strange. It's so strange. But I want us to pivot to, because um, being that you know you did mention um, just higher education, and I believe that you know, you know, when we talk about you know, just HBCUs, and I'm loving you know what's happening with you know with Coach Prime right now, um, when you know where he's truly bringing a light and shining up an even better light on you know just the athletic programs and just the culture even of HBCUs and what they bring and how prestigious and how long lasting it's been um and it's worthy is worthy and worth having those you know having that glossiness and being shown on the on the um small screen and even the big screen in some way shape or form. Yeah. But I think about some of the kind of, you know, some of the adverse things that I had to learn by going to college, especially going and I think every black student recognizes this. Um, and especially if you're a student that um, just so happens to go into this uh, af- post-college like yourself. You know, yep. you were a student who, seeing what you've seen, studied what you studied, went through whatever rigmarole within whatever departments that you probably, you know, studied under. But then you had to go into a whole other sector of this thing. And I wonder, you know, in terms of just black intellectualism, how has it, I feel like it's always has this real, you know, elitist, type of tone and texture to it you know it got a real you know you know you can't sit with us type of code members only type of situation <laughs> <Not you>. <laughs> <laughs> like hold on what school did you go to mm, you know who did you pl- who did you pledge who did you do this what have you done who what how much have you published okay all those different things and I would love to know how I guess how how has it been when it came to you being in these particular? circles. It's just a sense of just black intellectualism and has it the good and the bad of it all because I feel like yeah. the bad is what I feel like I hear the most about ne- these days at least.
1: Yeah nah look I, I'm, I'm, I college like being in those spaces I love the intellectual rigor. I, I love it. I love it. I love because I love thinking I love like challenging ideas and learning new things like college is really what transforms me into who I am today. Like, I didn't, like, I was always questioning a lot of things. I love literature. Like, James Baldwin's Go Tell It on a Mountain was so, like, transformative to me. And so I was just like, oh, this is a kid who is like, literally questioning everything that he was taught being Black, potentially queer in the church space. I said, this is fire. Yes. And so, like, to me, I'm just like, we don't see enough, like, Black kids thinking and, like, critically analyzing something so young. And so for Baldwin to do something like that, that inspired me when I got to college because I was just like, wait, I can run intellectual circles around these people. And just being able to also learn as I got to still run these circles was so exciting and also humbling at the same time because I said, oh, I got more to learn. Like I'm still, you know, you get into those spaces and you're just like, yo, you start radicalizing a little bit. You start thinking a little bit. You start just like, (laughs) but I think um, like that's my personal journey. I love that kind of stuff. But when you really get into the nitty gritty about it, yeah, there is a very elitist aspect to it because at the end of the day, I'm the middle of five and I'm the only one to go to college out of all of my siblings. Damn. And like none of my siblings, except for one, have a high school diploma. Yeah. And so there is still part of it where I come home and they're just like, oh, your experience was different and you changed Marquis. Yeah. And so for me, it was hard to recognize that Um, for a little bit until like I was I jokingly tell the story now. I was irritated with my older brother, but he goes, Nigga, you speaking a whole nother language.
2: Like
1: (laughs) I came home, even dismantled white supremacy, patriarchal capitalism. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) I was ready. Oh man. But he said, What did you say? (laughs) And so it was in that moment where I realized I was like, yo, this space is in two different worlds, bro. Like we're two opposite sides of the world. Mm -hmm. And as much as academia like does research on this and they're always in the hood and they're always just like, Oh, studies suggest and research suggests, but they're never found back there because they just live in this echo chamber of like, well, I did all this research on black people and I've seen blah, blah, blah. All right. That's cool. But you did all that research. But how are you translating that research into policy? How are you translating that research into programs? How are you changing that research into something that's applicable or accessible for these kids and these people that you did this specific research on, because at the end of the day, I don't think you're going to the niggas on a stoop and telling them about like, yo, here's the conditions that created so, so, and so, so, so. They already know what it is, but here's somebody who also has access and power to be able to actually put this into action and not just theory. Yeah. And they're actively choosing not to, because now it lives in a paywall essentially of, Hey, You have to go to this conference to know. And even then at that conference, now there's a barrier of language. Yep. Because you don't know the words that I'm using. And I'm intentionally doing that because I need to do that. And let it be a black person too. We still have an ego on us because, hey, I worked my ass off to make sure I got that degree and got that doctor behind my name. So even then it's still like that, ah, this balance because it's just like I want to still show that I did this work. But at the same time, I don't want to forget where I came from. And yeah. I think that's the dueling like tension that we see if it we're talking about black academics in particular. But I do think that elitist comment is like very real because it's giving like talent talented tenth, like WEB Du Bois. Yeah. And just like, oh, we can't be them niggas down there because we have to maintain a certain level of social status at the same time. That's and true, to man. me, I'm like, that's what triggers a lot of people to be like, hey, I need to stay respectable in this essence. But I also need to maintain power in this essence. Whereas, like for me, I think the most intellectual person is probably a formerly incarcerated uh, black person who has to learn the world again because they're at the bottom of the rung and have the least amount of rights, essentially. And they're dehumanized so much that they get to embody all of this stuff. Yes, like all of this information, all yes. of this reading, all of this thoughts. You're in consistent conversation, depending on the space that you're in. Like it doesn't mean like it's the mecca of like intellectualism but it's also a space that frankly created like a malcolm x who i still think is one of the greatest thinkers but yeah. he knew how to put shit plainly like Point <laughs> important james yeah. baldwin does not have a degree like we have to be very clear on like where we think intellectualism lies yes and then also um who's a, who has access to it yes and because I, I think it's
0: too much credit is given to these institutions Mm -hmm. in certain aspects. I think, you know, from a resource standpoint, from a, you know, a consistency of the minds being kind of, you know, coming out of these particular places is one thing. But, if that was the case, if it was the school, then you would have a million of, you know, those people. (laughs) It has, you have to give credit to those individuals themselves. Yes. Because they that it's that was how they were gonna be, regardless. That's right. that's how they were gonna be. I do think it's interesting though, because I do think it's interesting what you said about, you know, the talented 10. WB the Boys is uh was a former um faculty, uh faculty member of my alma mater, Clark University. Shout out. Sad about homecoming being canceled. Well, tailgate y'all say, but you know, <laughs> we know what that mean. Um, nevertheless, I truly feel like, you know, and I, when I was learning more about W.B. Du Bois and I think because you, you, you spoke about, you know, you know, Malcolm X to me, I think, you know, a lot of people are starting to learn and relearn the ideas and the the, the, the messaging of Fred Hampton more than anything. Uh, these past, you know, these past few months since they're, you know, his story is being told a new light, And I think all the time. I about to say right here right there come on come, come on. on that's <laughs> nice i like that I said, but, come on. <laughs> but but it's it and i'm here I'm, I'm right here in chicago and i definitely feel you know feel the energy in a lot of ways but i think it's interesting because i think it was getting to a place to where it was becoming an amalgamation of things before us you know when you think about how it's always just this contentious thing for those earlier periods of you know just post-slavery you know yep the boys had a Booker T. Malcolm had a Martin, you know? Yep. And then it started to break, started to break down. And there started to be a collective. Yes, yep. there were leaders of those collectives, but it started to be a movement. People started mm-hmm. to understand that we, we can't just be, it can't just be a head to this and a body. It has to be this thing that goes all together and forever continues to grow. And I feel like Fred Hampton, more than anything, understood that from, in every aspect. I need to be open to to a a human being who doesn't look like me in in terms of collaboration. I need to also get this by any means fucking necessary, but I also need to inform everybody that even if they take me out, all this shit still got to go on, and I'm going to prepare you. I'm going to do whatever I got to do, and it's like, yeah, I I, I see why they seen this man as the boogeyman, because he to go into the bridge ports, into the Humboldt parks and all these different spaces where it works, distinctively different types of people, not only from a, only truly only from a, um, a racial standpoint, but from an ideology, we all trying to scratch, we all scratch and survive in good times. Yeah. We all on. at the child line, good times, and we all got the same exact enemy. You know what I'm saying? And if we just need somebody to put us in the same room and say, hey, why are we fighting each other? Why are we mad at each other? Why are we looking at each other as if we need to point our guns there or, or have animosity when the there's an enemy that's already doing the thing we're trying to emulate? Because yep. there are black cops in the in the 70s. There were, uh, you know, black cops, it was sprinkled up, you know? But either way, they were a body. They were the blue, you feel yep. me? Then they were the blue state. Then they were the blue government and so on and so on and so forth. It's, it just goes on and on. We need to Actually, be able to focus in on those things, but let me get off my my soapbox. But it's the Fred. No, i you, it's, no, it's you thing.
1: talking. I was like, "Come on, guys. yeah." But
0: the, that's the thing, and I, I think it's so interesting because I feel like nowadays, so much of that, the you know, the repetition of violence on blackness has made us has 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 almost stalled us in certain aspects. Yep. And I remember last year. I, I, was, I was glad I didn't jump out of, you know, I, I think I was already exhausted by all the things that transpired from last year to literally four years prior when it felt like it was a similar moment with, you know, just a series right. of things with Alton Sterling and Philando, Philando Castile and it just kept the Dallas shooting and, and then the hanging in uh, Atlanta. It was just so much happening. For me, I think more than anything, it was I realized what my purpose was. Last year, in terms of okay, I want to contribute to this, but I, I don't, I don't know if my anxiety would be good in, <laughs> in this, right. in this, in this space on the ground. I don't know if this that, and the third. And I think it took the affirming uh, the affirmations of people around me to be like, Rodney, you already are. You like you you're talk. You 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 truly put words out that people cannot understand. They don't have the words to figure this shit out. And you do yeah. this shit so calmly that that's what we need. We need to. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel that." And for us to be able to center ourselves, be good with what we feel, keep doing that. And um, it, it, that's what I leaned into
1: more than anything. And I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think more of us need to be able to lean in that space. I always tell people, like, I always remember this story about there was this lady at in Ferguson when all the protests were going on. And as people had to, like, eat fast food and all this stuff, she was c- cooking home cooked meals and said, hey, you can stop by here if you want to eat something hot and warm and homemade for something. But like she was too old to be able to march like that. Yeah. But she still wanted to help. And I was like, if this is what it looks like, I think people forget there is still activism and art. There's still activism and uh, people being able to speak on these issues. Yes. People who know on the ground are able to speak from these issues. I think that's also like the fun part about podcasting. Hell like, yeah. We, we don't have rules. Sorry. I don't necessarily care to fully be in media all the time. Cause I don't want to follow FCC policy. I said, they get censored. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> <So> we can... <laughs> like, it's still like newer, but we're able to still have a responsible platform. Like mm-hmm. that's why I made this American Negro and rational anger to bridge academia in the hood. Like, Let's be able to take this inaccessible information and make it accessible for the masses. And I get to take the scholarly research and boom. But it's last year when people start to really realize, hey, oh, Rod's been talking on this for the last six years. Keith's been talking on this stuff. And so now they're able to even backtrack some of the stuff that you were talking about. Hell yeah. Because now they're just using you as a tool of education. Yes. They're using you as a tool to engage in conversation and know what is going on and contextualize it with things that they may not have known before. Yep. And now they're just like, I've heard this before, but I don't know where. And they're like, oh, it was you. That's Thank it. You. That's it. And that's it. Like, that's, the, that's a beautiful power that I didn't even recognize until last year when they took even the Dear Reading podcast and amplified it and said, yo, we need y'all to be talking on this stuff and we need to hear about it. And it was hard because we were just like, we wanted to keep a social responsibility but at the same time, we said, yo, we're not processing our own traumas at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we were just like, I need to build out this.
0: <laughs> Shit was heavy, bro. And I, I, I was not feeling a lot of things and trauma, and I, I still to this day haven't seen any videos because it was just so heavy for me yeah. and I just didn't, and, I, I, and I'm, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I was already feeling kind of, I think just like so many of us, we're already feeling a very long sense of loneliness and just de- just deep feelings about just what was going on in the pandemic and just how we had to socialize. Yeah. And then you have this happening in the height of it all. And um, I think what I didn't like the most, and I think it was almost this cultural reset of sorts, which I've said before. And that was it feeling like so many people I knew saying, well, I don't know if I want to have kids. I don't know if I wanna do this. I don't know if I wanna do that. And I was like, no, this is exactly what they want. They want us to not want to live like dead ass. Not even just from a standpoint of killing us, but just literally just be here until we not care, not thrive, not think, not try to problem solve because why does it matter? I don't want to bring children in this world because it's the world that they're going to come into. I don't want to even aspire to do anything or have anyone or have fucking love and care for people because what are are the chances that I'll lose them by way of the same hands? And I say all the time, I wish, the only wish I've always had when it comes to these particular things is I wish I never knew any of these names. And the only way I knew them is I knew them because I met them. (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to know i don't want to know i want to i want i want all these people to just be able to walk around and be themselves and kiss the children buy the cigarettes sell the cigarettes i don't care <laughs> you feel me Come on. um but I, I but you know but we can pivot to something that i think is interesting but somewhat very much in line with this
1: yeah
0: and that is Currently, because you're in the education space, one of the probably the, one of the first things that you would you know teach if you are an educator of you know maybe language arts or possibly social studies, whatever that is, you talk about fact and opinion. <laughs> and it feels like more and more and more for the especially for the past feel like five years almost that fact has started becoming opinion, and I believe it's extremely harmful for niggas more than anything.
1: Yeah, For
0: us buying into it and perpetuating it, but also it being told to us or being presented to us as something that we should possibly consider. But tell me, Mm -hmm. how has it been for you being in the the realm of truly research, knowing your shit, and also pontificating on the things that you can pontificate on because you know it? Tell me how it's been for you in terms of this
1: whole new trend of... This anti-intellectual movement. I was just talking about this, John, earlier. <laughs> regarding Miss Minaj. Like, she was getting home her <laughs> um, No, nah, because we're rejecting subject matter expertise as well. And I think that's the hard part, like, that I have to still go back and forth with. Is still just, like, no. Like, I can talk my shit when it comes to theater. I can talk my shit when it comes to critical thinking. I can do these things because I have practiced these things and we don't respect that practice as much anymore. And so I think right now this, because I'm like the ghost of Trump is going to mess us up for the next couple of years, for uh, decades, to be completely honest, because at the end of the day, what he did with this presidency was force people to question everything in a way that's not necessarily healthy i'm a proponent of questioning a lot but now you're also creating an unhealthy skepticism for a lot of people and so i'm just like the fact that we are going away from science is really struggling the fact that people are now attacking this critical race theory which does not happen in k through 12 like let's be very clear about that like that happens in higher ed is where we get into like all those theories and stuff And so when we really get into this full conversation around like fact, turning into opinion, it's starting to, it's, it's damaging is all I can really say. Like it's damaging to the black community because now we're already skeptical of things that go on to us regardless because our entire existence, fantastical, like, Y'all took a bunch of black people. Y'all brought them over. You created this entire system to keep us enslaved, and this is how you were able to do this for four hundred odd some years. And we're still feeling the remnants of that. You, they couldn't have been that maniacal to think of something like this. They couldn't have, but couldn't they did. Have. Couldn't have, <laughs> right? But because of us still living in that kind of space, I think now, within the last five to six years, especially as like being woke has become like the norm. And, like, people have to have some type of, like, cause that they should be fighting for. Like, this is what a social contract looks like for a lot of people. So because of that becoming a norm in our communities now, and it's pretty much accessible to everybody due to social media, people are just like, wait, do you actually know this? Do you actually know that? Do you actually know this? Fred Hampton, Malcolm X, would not survive today. Yeah. They would not have the same respect today. Yeah. At all. They would. And so those are the things I've been thinking about. I'm just like, yo, watching Judas and the Black Messiah last year or earlier this year. No. It was, that was earlier. That was this earlier this year. Earlier this year? February. Oh my gosh. It's a it's a Yeah, because I remember I watched
0: it. Year. It was it was uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Oh, you're you're right. Yeah. You're right. Gosh, that was wow.
1: Okay, so February. <laughs> long time. Yeah. It's been a long year. <laughs> <laughs> yo, because I'm sitting here, I'm just like, yeah, yo, like this is something I don't think would have ever been able to fully be done. Yeah. If Um, this was in a 21st century because now we have to look at, is this person the most like ethical person? Is this person morally sound? Is this person this? Is this person that? So at the end of the day, I don't think they would have existed in the realm of social media, but I think, like I said, as social media made everything so much more accessible between celebrity, having a platform, people that are deemed of having platforms and the fact that you don't necessarily need to be an expert to talk on a lot of these subjects now also caused the skepticism because social media has played into subject matter expertise and people right now specifically are rejecting like yeah you're saying all this stuff but how's this work yeah we love Malcolm X and we do this but an abolition you mean defund the police you mean abolish the police Ooh, how do these things work that's too low.
0: Hold on, hold on. Just, slow down now he's okay. like I just want to stop shooting y'all y'all ain't saying i about to
1: gotta give yeah. up my pension but i think for me as an educator i get frustrated because i want kids to be able to critically think and i wish that people around them would also do this yeah but there's so much between like this idea of free thinking which can exist surely but critical thinking which it shouldn't be divorced of these things should go together yeah (laughs) yeah but we're not doing that yeah and so i think with like the the kanyes of the world the trumps of the world the the people who don't think that we should all be following this thing. I don't again, I don't think black people should be a monolith. However, we should be monolithic in our liberation. <laughs> and I don't care.
0: Like that's, I'm sorry. That's, that's it. That's that's the that's the tweet. Because yeah. that's the tweet. I've said it too. I've said almost the same damn near the exact same thing as like, we are not responsible solely for our freedom <laughs> and our liberation. We're just responsible to make sure the shit happens. <laughs> we the mic- we the micromanagers of motherfucking liberation and freedom. We are not the we are not the the full, you know, contributors, workers, laborers, anything of that shit. It cannot happen. Because what is the point? <laughs> what is the point if we if we made this motherfucker, we gotta save this motherfucker, and yeah. we gotta make it better for us in the same damn time. Damn, and then everybody just benefiting. Everybody now know how to season their food, right? Everybody now know got a rhythm and shit. Everybody know how to, you know, make a good song, tap their toes, you know, do all, just get all our magic, and now they just, now the world just peaceful and shit. Everything's good. And Then what? We still, we're exhausted. We can't even enjoy.
1: Yep. Oof. And that's Ooh. the thing, cause I'm just like, I worry about these kids sometimes. Cause even then I watch kids and it's so hard for them to even have to think critically in some ways. Mm. Cause that's not a skill that they've built yet. Hell yeah. It's not a skill that I don't know. I, I, I want to, and like keep that in my room specifically. I want my kids to know how to critically think. Yeah. However, I don't think education provides kids to critically think. Education requires kids to become workers. Yep. It doesn't make them thinkers. And so that's also a lot of my issue a lot of the time is like, yo, how are we actually like not replicating the humans that we see right now? Yeah. But how does social media contribute to that? Because now that is definitely a part of our everyday lives. There are some kids who can't talk without doing a TikTok dance. Yeah. Like they legitimately cannot do anything without doing something like that. And that's, it's difficult, but the pandemic also, like made that even harder yeah. because now these kids aren't getting no social interaction. So kids don't know how to public speak. Kids, even though like they may have the right answer, even the most confident kids will give me an answer like this. I said, what? <laughs> Anybody like, "Yo, Mr. Richards, you, why are you so loud? Like I said, because I can't hear y'all and you're already wearing masks, but I need y'all to also like embrace the mistakes that can happen in this room. Like that's the point of education. And so if you're not doing that, then I think, we're failing as educators to keep it a bean. So yeah. these are. If you knew everything, things. you wouldn't be here.
0: <laughs> 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 if you knew everything, we, you would be already. Your family be good. Everybody be good. If you ain't know nothing, you know what I'm saying. Come on, PJ, get it yeah. together.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, man. That thanks That's for the right. question, though. That really made me like have to think even harder because that really just that's something I worry about so much is like critical thought and like how early on do we teach that skill and do they have the ability to connect this thing, this thing, and this thing, and know that it all is connected to like this one larger idea. So. Hell
0: yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. I I mean, I think about, you know, and I think I've became a a very cynical person over the years just because of the world. But I think I I just, I, I always, even with my nieces and nephew, I like to, always, you know, my mom can be you know, the somewhat half disciplinary. My sister who is their mother can be the, you know, disciplinary, give the strong hand. But me being uncle, I'm in a real special I'm in a real special island, you know? I'm gonna always be light. (laughs) I'm gonna always be light. I'm never gonna do too much. I don't gotta discipline you at all. You got two parents and a grandma who just feels like she should. I'm gonna always come through with the, you know, how you feeling, you know what I'm saying? You can tell you why you did which did wrong, and this how you need to play. it, You feel me? I'm gonna come through with the with the woo wop because I need you to understand this. I don't need to just right. need to be this kind of you know blind discipline. You need to understand how to be this, how to how to not make this happen. Because I know you want to just keep playing, right? You mad because now your whole system fucked up. Your whole day is is terrible now. Because now you gotta do, you got it. Ain't no just they've been giving you all this pass. On your chores, been letting you take your time with that. Now you did something you weren't supposed to do. Now look at you, here he is, whole yep. day run in the middle of the summer. Yeah, it is what it is. But think about it. Like if you don't, if you don't ever tell someone to just think, just think about what's going to happen if you do this. I yep. get it. And that's
1: the that's sensation. What I teach. Yeah. Like <laughs> FDL, it's called social emotional learning, but it's essentially teaching emotional intelligence. It teaches I love the that. kids To recognize their own trauma how does race and gender play into your own trauma and how do you recognize like, Oh, I'm getting mad right now. And when I get mad, I need to either walk around. I need to hold something. Yeah. I need to put my head down yeah. and you can recognize like how these things manifest in your body. I, I do a mind, we call it a mindful minute every single day. Like, yeah. Let's do box breathing today. Yeah. Let's stretch today. Every 30 minutes, let's do a quick stretch break. Like just so you get a sense of movement because of COVID guidelines, kids can't move. Kids cannot move. Mm. Like, they have to be stuck in this parameter of a box for damn near seven hours, eight hours of their day. Like, that's yeah. impossible when you got to stay on your couch yeah. and do school, when you got to be in your bed and do school. And now you want me to sit in this hard, uncomfortable seat for seven hours? Yeah. You have to use the bathroom?
0: And, ten- and tendencies for school break quickly. I don't know if you remember them um, that summer before college. But my black ass, probably like a lot of other people, thought they could cut. They could schedule their classes mm-hmm. early in college. I'm like, Shh, I was going to school. I had to get to school by seven fifteen. I was waking up early. I signed myself up for the eight o'clock class in college, and it whooped my ass. All it took was all it took was just a summer of literally just not keeping my mind in the space of. I gotta keep this habit up. I gotta keep waking up at this time because football and all these different things kept that going. Because I still had to wake up early to go to football practice in the summer. I still had to wake up early to do activities. But once it was once it was free, graduation and all, (laughs) them few weeks, cleaned me up, reset my whole circadian rhythm, and I was gone. You feel me? I was big big sleepy at eight a.m. But but be mindful of that, and if it's anybody who's you know mad young, listen to this. Be mindful of that. Do not get them early morning classes if there are other options. You feel me? Oh, use no. I use that a, to your advantage. That's where
1: I, I I was an early morning person. I'm not a morning person unless I'm by myself. Yeah, like I said my eight forty five straight through to twelve twenty. Couldn't tell me nothing. I said I am done for my day. I did my like <laughs> uh, study uh, work study, and then I took my ass right back. <laughs> I love it,
0: and I I was jealous of folks like y'all because I'm like, damn, I want to go to lunch. She, I want to go to lunch, but it's like I gotta I gotta just catch a little quick little situation because I got a class at one o'clock. <laughs> yep. But that. yeah, but but more than anything, um, I I really appreciate your perspective just because I feel like you know it is powerful. Um, and it, it's un- I guess it's somewhat unfortunate that it is a powerful statement for a black man to be present in this space that is um that is also that is a nurturing space you know and I think it's it's something that more black men should definitely put themselves into qui has kept literally just this just in yesterday uh I, I was considering like applying because I have so much free time now and I'm prioritizing my business and all these different things yeah. but I'm realizing you know where my bandwidth really is uh But I was like, what if I was like, I wonder how easy it is to be a sub, you know?
1: Because I'm just like, I wonder if I can, you know, I was like... You to play that cool uncle role. You come in, these kids will try you, because they're like, you're not familiar. You I know it, I know it I know, it, I know it. You will be tried. All I remember
0: is mom having that TV as a, as a good, you know, roll out of TV. Yeah. But, but I know I know that, it, you know, times are different. So much different. Yeah. And uh, but, I, but I was truly considering it. I know it's, this city is definitely a particular city in terms of education, with just how CPS is and all that, but... I don't know. I was definitely moved. It was a thought that I had, and then somebody asked me, "Have I ever thought it?" I was like, "Damn, not y'all reading my mind right now." But um, but it's something I might consider for sure. Yeah. Um. But my next question, my last question to you, and then we can wrap it up is um. Actually, in the realm of something you brought up, a great example of a person who I think has been somewhat the uh, in the limelight for scrutiny, just put out an album, Kanye West, right? Oh yes. And I think um within the questions of Kanye West and cancel culture and fact and fiction and opinions, free thinking. He is the culmination of all those things okay. <laughs> as a person. And um, and also the conversation that are created around him and all the, the, you know, recent events. And um, I, what I wanted to say was, you know, what I'm noticing more and more now is just being more aligned it's almost you know we are recognizing our intersectionality <laughs> and it's almost like this anti intersectionality that's being that's happening from a standpoint of like a black trump uh a black trump voter and a, a just a black republican to the max yeah. from a black conservative that is truly you know heinous and like yep. you know giving out so much propaganda that's harmful to them and all the uh, and us as well um just all those things you know from the standpoint of people who are just anti so many things Just, it's weird you know and that they're, they're standing in that they're dying on yep. all the heels yep. they're immobile on how they feel about all the, the shit they feel cool I guess but I, my question to you is is there such a thing as I guess a black some black individual black group or whatever it may be that we can't take with us that we, ha- we can't save everybody or is it should be the goal to kind of, you know, save everyone?
1: Um, no, we're not saving everybody. Because some people are going <laughs> to hold on to the white man's idea the entire time. And that's yeah. on them because they drank the bleach. However, <laughs> I am not. Um, no, but I think that there is space um, because like for me, I'm not taking. And I know I recognize not everybody can come with us because there are still people who are going to be like, no, because I still want this certain aspect of power but there's also this aspect of it where I have to also think about redemption. And for me, I'm like, yo, I I practice restorative justice. So that requires me to look at the person in totality and wonder, like, yo, why are you this way? And so the, and, and as an educator, I should be able to ask those questions in order to make sure I can build this relationship. So it gets complicated when you add on those identity markers for me. Yeah. But um when it comes to stuff like that i said no because you're doing more harm than good and honestly you're going to understand the fruits of our labor once we get there and sadly you're still going to benefit from them but at least you won't like hopefully you don't try to do harm to the rest of the black community in this space the way that you see us so to me i'm just like that's great but we'll see you after we cross the finish line yeah if you're still there yeah if not Go ahead and do your business. Yeah. I, I I my answer is
0: pretty similar to yours to that, to that question, yeah. and to that thought process. Because for me, I'm okay with letting people go. Um, because I do I, I do believe that uh, if you continue to try to sit here and convince someone who is so grounded in something, who knows how much time that's gonna take? How much how many right. missed moments are going yeah. to occur? Just so much can slow down the progress because we're we're trying our best to you know pull up as many people we can into the boat and um yeah sometimes you might not make the trip you know you might have to catch another boat you might need a new revelation to make yourself more useful to the overall movement because i do believe i do believe in redemption i do believe in some sense of reconciliation i do believe in people you know changing or having the right to change their minds um but i do believe that that's Unfortunately, on the kind of later, latter end—that's the back end. That's the back. That's the back. Like we got (laughs) to, we got to do a lot of, we got to do a lot of shit. That's mad radical. That's really extreme. Before we get to the point of, you know, a lot of the sensible, softer things of like, all right, you've done this, you've done. Because I, I don't know. I think I'm getting to a point now where I guess in my own sense of critical thinking and just radical thought, where I've like, I think a big thing that has not happened to certain people. is a uh, is mindful acceptance, yeah and, what, and the example that I would give to that is the example that I would give to that is I was telling my um my best friend this, I don't know why we were talking about this for, for some reason we were talking about just how how the world in terms of the government in terms of society treats uh like pedophilia and pedophiles, yeah. right and I was saying to him, I was like, I wonder. If there was a different approach, if this if this would still be something that we that that is uh, that occurs in the exact same way, if there's a different approach in terms of handling it, right? If, because if it's immediately a scarlet letter, if it's immediately a uh, all these different things, and it it's not approached from a st- if there's no true research and right. data being collected on what is happening in a person's mind, what type of person are them? Is there a way or a, a sign that you can catch? with this individual and actually work with them to figure out why they have this particular rationale that they uh-huh. solely believe in, because if not, it's going to remain in this deviant place. It's going to right. remain in this space that is taboo, uh, which I, I understand that. I'm not advocating for the, the act any of that in, in, by yeah, yeah, any yeah. means, but it's the fact of if we approach these things as these people being lepers and not, at any point in their lives, every human, then, they, then they'll continuously be monsters. They'll continuously be the boogeyman's that, you know, stay away from him, that's the dude who, you know, on that list, blah, 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 he did this thing, whatever, whatever, and I agree. There should be some sense of punishment and some understanding, but I do believe that reconciliation is something that's extremely um, going to be hard for people, and I think that that's, right. but I think it's necessary if we really, truly want to grow out of it, and I think for the people who really want to change it's going gonna, it's gonna to be that combo. It's, it's going to yeah. be the, I want you to change. And it's like, okay, I accept that. I want to change my damn self. I do think I can admit to my wrongs. But the the in-between phase of that now is you be having the grace for me to figure out what the hell the new me is. To figure out yeah. how I can truly convince you that I am a changed person and I'm not just telling you to let your guard down. Yeah, I, yeah I'm good now, you know? Yeah. It's truly doing the work because that work has to happen alongside other people who are supporting or, or being in a space of support and I think that's the hardest thing to do because it's like how the hell would you support a person who you feel like has done something so heinous? Uh, right. But I believe it's it, there's a, a pathway and especially specifically yeah. within our own communities. I think that's right. why I'm that's that's how I'm thinking about it. Like there are people yeah. who have done very wrong things to other people within our community, and we personally have to find a way to reckon with those things and be yeah. and be if anything be better humans about it. Because ultimately we're only gonna if we quote unquote get free like we want to be, we're only gonna recreate the thing that we that was truly oppressing us in the first place
1: yeah no i i hear that and i think that's the difficult part and that's the ugly part of the conversation because being community with people who did a heinous thing and we're in community with them every day like let's be very clear we might not know it that is um but i think it is also like this space of like for me i i always say like redemption cannot exist on social media Restoration will never exist on social media <laughs> because, at the end of the day, as much as people want to perform restoration and people want to do restorative justice and blahzy blahzy blah, blah, yo, I'm not a community with you, so I actually don't give a fuck about what you have to say, and because I don't care, I'm not emotionally invested. You can guilt somebody or you can shame somebody. A lot of people get shamed, which means they're not actually going to respond. Oh, because now you are now pushing them down into not being able to want to change because they will double down on their bad habits. But I think if p- people feel guilty when they have a conscience, mm. crap, I messed up. I need to apologize in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Shame is you did this bad thing and you're never coming back from it. Mm-hmm. Shame a lot on the internet. <laughs> yep. but a lot of people also don't recognize their own traumas on the internet when they do recognize that somebody is actually redeeming themselves and actually doing the work. We don't actually like those stories because at the end of the day, those people who done the work, that means that like, Oh, even the most heinous can potentially be brought or justified or being able to be in community. Now, I'm not saying the person that's the victim has to be in community with them at all. But I think the community overall has to also recognize like, Oh, this is still a human being. And if we have to like not have to, and if we want to make sure that this bad thing doesn't happen again, we need to do this. We know that prisons don't work. Yeah. You think, Oh, okay. You got five years. You're going to be a changed person. No, that's not changing anybody. Not for the better. You're not giving them skill set. You're not telling them like, here's how you can not do this again. And here's ways that we can make sure this happens by giving you therapy. We can make sure this doesn't happen again by giving you resources, because oftentimes you can probably just ask why four or five times and you'll probably get to the root. (laughs) And so um, I don't think enough people answer that because at the end of the day, like there are people who traumatic things happen to and they just replicates and their trauma manifests in many different ways. That's not the case for every single person. However, like at the end of the day, there is <clears throat> and oh, this is going to be really trash coming out of my mouth. Um, But there is an argument as to where, like, somebody like R. Kelly, how that was developed. Yes. How he became who he was. Yes. Because if we go back even further, his sister did that to him. Yeah. So what is he now doing? Now, that's not justifying the stuff that he's not doing. Because it's still absolutely trash. Yeah. If we can get to the root of where that came from, he's still working through that exact same trauma. But now he thinks this is how life is supposed to operate because he's not learned anything outside of that. Yeah. Or he's actively choosing to disengage from that because that means he has to actually acknowledge the hurt that his the person who is closest to him or he should have perceived as a safe space who is his sister did him like that, which is why he still goes after young girls. And so he stopped at a certain spot. And if we have to acknowledge that both of these things can exist like he's a disgusting human being, but he was also a victim in some spaces. We have to know that duality works but that also doesn't justify what he's doing and and i think and i don't think people get that part yeah
0: i think it's hard for people to because people people at least on the internet feel like the truth should make you feel good like the truth should make you truth should set you free you know, all that other shit wouldn't to me i've always for a long time just kind of you know open my mind up to the concepts of, you know, the alternatives to these particular situations. And there should be, there should be some checks and balances within community. Like, bro, I'm here in Chicago. And that that's a perfect example that you use. And I think being here in Chicago and the whole surviving R. Kelly thing happening, like being released several years ago, it was interesting hearing everyone else talk about it because it almost felt like like a communal guilt. Everyone had a story about R. Kelly. Yeah. Everyone around our age has been to that man's house or been to a party or function, know somebody who been to a party or function, been whatever, seen him at a McDonald's, and it's multiple McDonald's people have seen him. And you didn't even grow up on the same time as the other person who right. told me about this. So he was at every McDonald's that was, right. near a, that was near a school. Everyone had this thing happening. So that means there's this communal guilt to it because it's like did he have experience with her Did he have experience with her did he have experience with so many different people so it almost like if we wanted to stop this from getting out of hand maybe somebody could have i think that's the
1: the where the guilt comes in yes because we are the problem with our our community the general community is that we live in a very bystander community somebody else will do it Yeah, somebody else will do it. Yeah, somebody else will do it. So we watch these things happen. It doesn't help. Again, it goes back to social media, the way that black people also have to document everything now. So sadly, our response, now that we have like recording devices in our hands, let me make sure we document this thing so they know that this thing is actually happening. If not, we have to get the most and the utmost of a perfect victim in our community in order for people to care. And so, yeah, I do think that in part, like, the standby effect also is a big proponent as to why we don't know how to hold each other accountable. It's a big proponent as to why a lot of these things happen and as to why, like, a lot of, like, these heinous crimes will continue to happen because we're just like, well, you know, we all know about so-and-so, but we won't say it out loud because if we say it out loud, then (laughs) that makes it real. If it makes it real, that means I'm accountable, that I'm responsible for the next person. And I don't want to get into those worders because that can also ruin a relationship. Yep. That's it. And that could be access to something potentially, or it's just, I don't know how to deal with confrontation in a way that I thought I actually knew how to deal with confrontation. Yep. So now I have to question everything. So though that's, that's the logic and that's the thinking behind how a lot of the stuff goes, yo. Man, that's that's
0: deep. That's it. That's it, though. But I, I you know, I, I think this is the perfect time for us to send it on, which is my call to action ep- yes. aspect of of the episode. So you're gonna hear the nice mm-hmm. sultry sounds of D'Angelo playing right here, right now. I hear him. And, uh, <laughs> and you and you will definitely uh, be wooed to. Do something. That's the point. That's the overall goal of this, right? So to send it on for today is, um, I want both of us to do this too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is to give one tip on how you exercise accountability. Um, and this could be with yourself yeah. or with
1: others. Yeah. Um, one way that I exercise accountability is uh, genuinely checking in with myself. Like I'm a big proponent of journaling at the beginning of the week, in the middle of the week and the end of the week. And so at the end of the week, I go back and it doesn't matter if I journal every other day or every day that week, like I go in and I like reflect on my week. There was a week where I was letting people talk to me crazy. And I sat there and I said, nah, they dead violated my boundaries, not once, not twice, but three times. And I don't know why this was happening. So I had to go back and realize like, oh, Keith, like you was letting this happen because you was feeling so-and-so type of way. And you thought that's what you deserved right now. So you was like punishing yourself, but also making too many excuses for other people. So I had to like check myself. And be accountable to myself in order to like practice accountability to others because i said oh y'all dead violated my boundaries and i'm letting this happen it's no longer uh, you're violating i'm violating myself by letting you talk to me like this word um so so yeah so um journaling and reflecting and just being honest in that journaling because some people will be lying to their journals okay mm. <laughs> um so yeah, um, that's how I stay accountable to myself and I try to practice accountability, but yeah. I'm always prepared to have like those really tough conversations at the end of the day. Cause I'm just like, I don't ever want to go to bed angry at somebody. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just like super superstitious like that. Like, I'm just like, nah, I, I at least have to remind you, like, I still love you. We will work through this, but I still love you. Cause I, I'm always worried like something might happen like the next day. Man. Whew.
0: I think my tip I appreciate that I think that's good because I think journaling has, has helped me is it saved me in so many aspects as well too um, because I love to write and so getting things out of my head helped me be able to make sense of things so I, I feel like for so many reasons um, for me to be quite honest one thing that I think I've been doing the most to practice accountability is distinguishing negative self-talk to myself versus how much do I talk to myself poorly versus talking to myself with you know grace and support. Yeah. You know, and I think in this time of solitude, is kind of you know, uh, um, or just some sense of solitude, no matter where you are, um, I think that's where I recognize the most. It's like, damn, how often have i like, told myself I couldn't do something or I've made an excuse about this thing or whatever it is, and I based it in something that I felt like I was, you know, didn't have. Versus how often have I lifted myself up, been like, hey, you need to celebrate. You need to go and you know, treat yourself. You've done good, you've done this, you've done that, you've been working out, you've been sh- you've been slimming down, you've been doing the things. Celebrate it, give yourself time. And um I, I became more mindful of it, and I think I keep I keep getting reminders of that. To yeah. like continue that practice of being aware of, oh, I need to be mindful of this. Cause it's gonna happen. We're human. We're gonna deprecate. Self-deprecation is a part of our human experience because we're gonna see things and 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 view it with our own lenses. But we are, if anything, our best uh, our best friends and not just our you know worst enemies as well. And I think that's what I've kind of come into a sense of accountability for myself. Is like it's okay if you didn't do this, if you didn't do that. Is just keep doing work. Right. If you need to apologize for something that you you know didn't do or couldn't do do so stand in that and if it's something that is good and grand accept it do not block your do not block your compliments right accept them willingly um and happily because evidently you did it right and you should celebrate the moments that you do the things right but also celebrate the moments you didn't even know you did anything uh, <laughs> you don't need to you don't yeah. need to you don't need to do work to be affirmed you don't need to do yeah. something you could just be a light you could just look good you could just be a great and, and cheerful reminder of something positive positive. and somebody just be like right I, I really miss you i really you really had a good you really made me feel like you had, I had a better day once you you know posted this thing or did this thing or told me this thing whatever that is it's kind of what i've um done more and more in terms of just accountability with myself in terms of growth and how i interact with other people you know so and it's been it's been helpful it's been helpful um the last thing i would say is that i've enjoyed this conversation and i could talk to you forever but i know we both got lives and both got time and you got you know you got you I know you got life, you feel me? <laughs> Any anybody who got education in their backgrounds right. or, or foregrounds is good definitely uh <laughs> got some, you know, some shit to do, some work to do. Okay. So but no, before you go, please let everyone know how they can support you. If there is anything right, immediately they can support
1: you on, um let everybody know. Not nah, Well, first and foremost, this was so much fun. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Like, yeah, this was yeah. a really good time. I'm sitting here. I was like, this was such a nice, like cap to my day. Like I'm just like, I'm ready to have some tea, finish this like carrot cake that I got in this, and just Come on, carrot cake. It was fire. Ah. Yeah, no, but I, I genuinely enjoyed this. Like this was such a fun interview. Um, yeah, no, you can find me at everywhere marquise davon m-a-r-q-u-i-s-e d-a-v-o-n and that's across youtube tiktok instagram but i will always be in the twitter streets greeting everybody with a good morning to niggas and niggas only hey we are out here okay be on the lookout for the merch to be expanding this fall so i'm excited to go beyond the mug um so we are out here um so just be on the lookout for that Um, I appreciate everybody. And then also, you can also catch me on the Rational Anger podcast, which will be making a comeback very soon. And then also, right now, the visual essay series called This American Negro, you can find on my YouTube channel at Marquise Devon Productions. So we out here. So yeah, I
0: heard that. I heard that. And yeah, make sure y'all follow Marquise because that it's definitely, it feels like, you know, a great way to start your day. It's like, okay, I'm up. I got my, got my good morning niggas only niggas only. All right, cool. Let me get on the rest of my day. You know what I'm saying? Lord. And um, but but I agree. Get that edge. Definitely. I'm looking out for that merch. We need a we need a beanie. I'm out here. It's gonna be cold, and it's the perfect thing to have. Oh, you didn't think of that. I got you, bro. Beanie. I, got you. Oh,
1: I, I got you. I got you. All right. I want like a good back to school vibe. I want a crew neck. I want a hoodie. I want a planner. And I want a mug. Like yes ah, we back to school. Yeah. Beanie,
0: the beanie though, because it's it's gonna be cold. It's a simple thing. It's 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 probably it's probably fu- it might fuck around and be more or less less cost than a hoodie is. Yeah. <laughs> it's less material. Get get something simple, get Uh-oh. a good embroidery you you cool. I'm just saying.
1: Because I got an acronym for it, with the N niggas only at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And that part, I said, let that be embroidered on the front. Yeah. yeah. Brand. Yeah,
0: let let us get cozy. We gonna wear that, Brand. especially in the spaces we in. we it be some it be wintertime for a long time. <laughs> I'm so I'm gonna have that thing on most days <laughs> in the house, out the house, around the house. You feel me? <laughs> but no, make sure y'all follow Marquis. He is a great person to follow, a great resource, and certainly an entertaining individual. Um I want you all to make sure that you Like, rate, and subscribe Everywhere and anywhere you can listen to The Simply King podcast If you don't know, you should know You can follow me at kings underscore memoirs On all social media platforms And also follow me on TikTok I need to start saying that more I got a TikTok, follow me on TikTok I post the things on TikTok And I plan on giving you even more uh, Even more things in terms of just Black just black wellness as a whole On TikTok as well um, In addition to Follow the uh, Simply King Pod page on IG, like the Facebook page as well as Simply King Podcast and also if you need if you need assistance within your creative, mar- creative production needs, your digital marketing needs, make sure that you go to, you must go to, LifeIsKing.com, and um, and see what type of creative services I can help you and assist you with. You understand me, and um, make sure that you specially share this thing, share this thing, share this thing. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. I've been King. This has been Marquise Devon Richards. And this has been
2: simply forget King. Peace. Get that, that. baby wanna pull the freak out. Freak out. You say yo, I say it's big now. That's right, raise that and pull the cash out. Cash out. Make me love and take it last out. Last style. Yeah. Honest, honest in my head. Wanna, spin and bits. Yeah, I'ma take all that get that money. Keep the pussy with honest honest in my